You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know the answer, you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. There's really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there are entertaining. <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz of Train Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pro Talk Outdoors. We are, man, we're just about watching it rain all the time. I, I tried to mow my grass just before you got here, and part of it is an absolute swamp. The tennis shoes I wear to mow the yard in are soaking wet in the garage right now, and I only got about half of it done fighting the, the mower, getting all the wet grass and stuff out from underneath it. You know, something I realized here over the, the last, you know, I don't know, three, four weeks is Grandma and Grandpa had it right by always getting the Farmer's Almanac. That mm-hmm. thing's spot on, you know. It, they said it was going to be extremely wet, and it has been. It's been wet all year. 2019 has been one for the ages. I mean, it's just been flooding everywhere. It's made it very, very difficult to even think about food plotting. You know, and, and our problems, you know, we're thinking about deer hunting. We're thinking about right the wildlife. What about these farmers out here, man? It's a struggle. I, it's got to be. And I, I have to think that some of these folks are probably going to end up having to replant. There, there's no way that some of this water well, well, time, hasn't... time's going to be a major factor. There's not going to be time for them to replant. I mean, by the time things dry out, you're, you're looking at a total loss year. Perhaps. I mean, perhaps. And, and, you know, and it affects not just those farmers and their families. It's going to affect local economies I mean, and regional and national. It's 
it's going to have a ripple effect, and I, I hate to see it, but gee whiz, you well, know. It's it's one of those things, you know, and, and good good buddy of ours, Johnny Sandlin, is, you know, he's a farmer, and I talk to him a lot. He, he's a small farmer, you know. I mean, he's not one of those huge magnitude, uh, you know, several thousand acre type farmers. He, he has a family farm, and so um, I guess it would be considered small. Um, a lot of small farmers, they don't have that crop insurance. It, it doesn't make sense economically to get that crop insurance. And those that are without, those are the guys that are going to struggle, is the smaller farmers that, that you know, have anything that, that floods and are unable to either get it planted or, or two, if it's already been planted, they're going to have to, uh, you know, try to replant if it dries out. That takes a big hit on the, uh, you know, on the portfolio there. And I, I just, I hate that for them. But, but the, the other thing is, if those guys that are that are fortunate enough to be able to to get everything planted and get it to go all the way through to harvest, they're going to bank because you know the market is going to be pretty tight for for everything for corn and, and soybeans and, and that's going to drive the price up big time. Yeah, I mean if if you have some fields that sit on a, a plateau somehow and and drain off well, yeah, you could be set up for something spectacular but what you mentioned earlier you know obviously you and I just thinking about food plotting obviously tremendously difficult you know we need to talk to uh to somebody that knows what he's doing with that sort of thing and maybe educate our listeners as to what they can do when they're dealing with this same kind of problem because I know a lot of them are thinking the same thing we are gee whiz well, what, yeah what the heck are you gonna do exactly forces you to make decisions like well did I and we we did the same thing we had to make that decision out on our Kentucky property yep. we we wanted to put a few acres of switchgrass out Wasn't feasible. and it just we couldn't get it done it was so wet and then by the time it actually we had a window you know where we could have planted but it was one of those things like eh, if we do that we're gonna sacrifice probably an entire year Correct. getting that stuff established because the switchgrass is slow to grow you know and um we just had to make the decision to put it on the back burner and wait till next year to plant it. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, let's go ahead and bring in somebody from Real World Wildlife Products that, that we think a lot of, West Elks. He's going to give us the lowdown on what a lot of people are going to be able to do or some options they can have and, and think outside of the box to get their deer plots in uh, just the right way or, or maybe punt it down the road and do fall planting. So uh, we'll chat with Wes right after this break. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Whether you're a field or a float, a good knife is a necessary tool to have at your disposal. Cavemen couldn't go without it, and you shouldn't either. If you're looking for a lifetime guaranteed American-made knife that will hold up to next level abuse, we've got just the thing for you. Big Tough American Knives bring more than a cool name to the table. They bring small batch, handmade knives with a lifetime guarantee to outperform mass-produced competitors. And if you snag a field knife you love, give Josh and the BTAC team a shout-out about some of their kitchen or processing knives as well. Big Tough American Knives is the official blade of Pro Talk Outdoors. It's mid-spring, and like a lot of other folks, we're spending a ton of time out on the water. This is also a very important time for us as deer hunters and herd managers. Bucks are just now starting to show us who they are and pack on antler growth. But more importantly, those fawns are getting ready to hit the ground. If you want to do something to help out the deer in your area, try Maximizer Mineral by Real World Wildlife Products. For more information, go to realworldwildlifeproducts.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors, and as advertised, 
we're, we're singing the blues over the rain a little bit, but we're not the only ones. If you're listening to this, you probably are too. And uh, we brought on Wes Delks from Real World Wildlife Products to talk to us a little bit about what kind of options uh, not only deer hunters, but potentially maybe even farmers could have this time of year. But, you know, this is a, an outdoor-themed podcast, so we're, we're going to try to help these hunters out. And, and, Wes, thank you so much, man, for coming on. But what do you recommend for somebody that's seen the amount of rain we've seen in the Midwest this year? Yeah, JP, thanks for having me on the show. It's definitely been a uh, unique spring. Um, There's a lot of acres out there for farmers that'll be in preventive planting, a lot of flooding, uh, rivers that are out of its banks. So it's a a unique year. And as a a farmer and a hunter and a a food plotter, uh, we got to adapt. And so I got to make the best of our situations and um, we got to do what's going to work to get the next big buck in front of us. And so what do you what do you recommend? Obviously a lot of folks at this point have probably planted their their you know gen 2 soybean plots and either unfortunately had them blown out by water or things didn't even grow because it, it rained too heavily. See, I don't even know that most guys have got it planted. I think there's a lot of guys that Maybe. are probably still waiting on things to dry up enough to get it done. So twofold question there Wes. If you yeah, haven't sure. got it done, <laughs> how long do you think these guys can get these things planted? Yep, um, that's a question we've got quite a bit here in the last couple of weeks as it gets later into June. And um, I was talking about this with our seed specialist, Dwayne Hopkins, yesterday. And uh, a lot of uh, farmers double crop wheat, and that just simply means that they plant wheat, harvest the wheat crop, and then plant beans immediately after. And um, they can do that uh, up until the 4th of July or into mid-July and still get a good stand of beans um, by that harvest time frame so that's what we're suggesting to our customers is I mean don't be afraid to plant up into mid-July as long as uh, um, the weather conditions are right your soil conditions are right and if you look like you're gonna get a light rain actually I'm <laughs> trying to close my windows right now because another thunderstorm's rolling in um, but as long as conditions look right, I wouldn't hesitate to plant up until mid-July, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got, we mentioned in the uh, the opening a little bit, I've got a, a really good friend that's a, a small farmer. He just has a family farm, and, and uh, he was talking about, um, you know, planting dates and concern about getting a crop to grow uh, this year. And, and he was telling me about a few years back, he was actually helping a neighbor uh, get some crops out and they actually were mid-July and and they were putting beans down <laughs> these are egg beans of course but they were putting beans down in a field and he was thinking the whole time man we're just wasting money it's not going to grow but you know uh, things worked out and they ended up getting almost 50 bushel an acre off of that which you know to Illinois guys is probably not very much but around here that's that's fair you know that's pretty fair numbers so uh, well I personally, uh, my favorite food plot is to put greens and grains in the same plot. And what I mean by that is having soybeans and then some kind of cereal grain in the plot as well. And if you plant a a late planted uh, soybean plot, you're setting yourself up to be able to do that really well. Um, If the, the stand's a little thin or like this year, I mean, if you've already planted, but um, due to water issues, having some drown out areas or some soil crusting and not getting as a good a stand as you might have wanted. Um, that's just going to give you more opportunity for um, seed to soil contact for a, a green 
um, food source getting broadcasted later on in the summer to where you can have greens and grains in the same plot. So, okay, if we if we were going to uh, put down some oats, um, you know, Real World has some great oats out there. So if we're going to put down those oats, what time frame do you recommend a guy getting those down on the ground um, so he can, he can have those to hunt over in the fall? I would typically say um, last week of August, first couple weeks of September, but if you're planting your beans um, later, you really don't want to do it until you start having some leaf drop and some yellowing in your soybean uh, plot. So that way um, sunlight is getting through that canopy to help those cereal, your oats um, emerge and get a good stand of green underneath your, your beans. All right. I, I got a, a question to spin off of that then. Let, let's say a guy pretty limited on budget and, and we have plenty of listeners that, you know, they, they've got a set amount they can spend on their hunting habit and, and passion a year. And let's say sure. that they've only budgeted so much to put towards food plot. You know, they, they went and they rented a no-till drill, they got their beans in, and then this flooding happens, and they don't have the, the monetary resource to get a, a cereal grain to go with it or to even replant. Is there anything they can do to try to salvage that, or is it all completely out of their control at this point? Um, something other than a cereal grain to salvage the soybean plot. Uh, many years ago, there used to be more farmers that would use a, a tool, um, and it doesn't happen as much anymore, that would go over a plot that had some soil crusting to break up um, the soil, and it would help those soybean plants as they're trying to emerge that they wouldn't break their necks and pop through. But uh, really, unfortunately, food plotters um, at Real World, we deal with all experience levels, um, all different equipment types, and there's just really not a food plot tool um, that can break up soil crusting. Um, so I think we just have to work with the the thinner stand of beans, and um, the best thing to do is get greens in that plot as well. Well, let me ask you this then. Let's say a guy is going to suffer a good bit of loss here, but some of his plot is going to survive. Would you ever recommend somebody maybe trying to – to place cameras a certain way to reassess how he can differently hunt his plot as a result of what he lost? Um, certainly. I, I, I think that there's um, – I've, I've heard of guys that are um, – they, they put more fertilizer in a certain area of the field to get that stand location to be better right in front of the stand, or they, they plant an edge um, of corn through their soybean plot. And there's uh, – for whatever reason, I mean, if it's – because a soybean plot is drowned out in certain areas, there's going to be parts of your field that are more attractive um, than other parts. I mean, if the bigger the plot, if you've got a 10-acre soybean plot and um, right in front of your stands drown out, but there's a, um, a portion of that field that uh, the deer just seem to be hammering, um, I mean, that's that's where cameras and scouting come in, and we got to adjust and adapt to that situation based on uh, what Mother Nature's throwing us. Yeah, um, you know, something that you mentioned, the greens and the grains, I know uh, we, we're kind of going to go uh, hardcore, or, or our plan was, and I, I think it's still going to play out this way. It just uh, the farmers are having a little more difficulty than what we ex- anticipated, but we're going to go with a lot of plot topper um, inside uh, some some ag beans that, you know, our farmers are, are planting, and 
uh, just to kind of, you know, double down on our uh, acreage for food plotting. So, um, yep. same thing, time frame on that, Wes. I mean, uh, going to look at uh, late August, first week of September to try to get those in the ground. Yep, I would. That'd be perfect. And that's uh, that's kind of what our game plan is there. I know uh, I, I'm one of the fortunate ones. Um, I've got a farm that that I put some um, – uh, in the past, I just strictly went with real-world beans in uh, mm-hmm. in this uh, – this probably about five acres. And and I've always I've had great success. I mean, well, I say great success until last year when I had somebody uh, somebody else got permission to hunt it <laughs> in addition Uh-oh. to me. So I had yeah, and it's a small <laughs> parcel. So I you know we we yep. had to kind of work together and and uh, go through that. But that's a whole different story there. But so this year I went I did something a little different. Um, I I planted uh, an acre of upland at the northernmost portion of the field. And then next to that, I put another acre of real-world beans down. And in the center portion, it's kind of, there's like a line drawn, basically, where I quit planting the beans. And I'm going to go in there, and it's right in front of the stand, the pretty much the only stand I can hunt the property on without doing any kind of uh, uh, major, dis- yeah, I don't know, it'd, it'd really screw up the hunting if I did. I'd, I'd be too much disruption there. But uh, I'm going to go in and put deadly dozen right in front of the stand. So I'm going to try that out and see if that kind of construction might help some uh, some deer uh, traffic in my area there. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I definitely think that as food plots are getting more popular and it seems like uh, there's just more and more people uh, uh, that are using food plots, um, we got to do something that's a, a little bit different. We got to stay on our A game. We got to make sure that our plots and our little honey hole, our 40, 60, 80 acre piece of paradise is the best possible that it can be because we're competing with more food plotters every year yeah and i and and that's a that farm is a perfect little example it's a 40 acre piece and then across the road um i've got which i love this there's new owners across the road and strictly i mean they uh they rent out the crop ground but they're strictly deer hunters and they'll actually leave some ag beans standing over there after uh, you know, after the farmer goes through and it gets very light hunting pressure, their neighbors over there uh, next to them, uh, they're food plotting and, and they hunt it pretty heavy. But you know, there's a lot of nutrition in the area, so I got to do a little something extra over there. But I, I do uh, the fact that I'm uh, I'm planting the real world beans and stuff. I know that that gives me a leg up every year over there. Yep, late season, uh, you, you know, you have the best beans around. Yep, without a doubt. So. Um, what would you kind of, kind of transition back a little bit to the, the farmers and what's going on there right now in your area? Cause I know you're in tune with that pretty well, but, um, what kind of percentages is planted out there right now versus acreages that are, are unable to plant because of flooding or whatever? I couldn't answer that. I haven't looked at the, uh, the crop reports, but, um, I live in southern Illinois, and I just recently, uh, last week, was in northern and central Indiana, and it seems like different parts of the Midwest are obviously, uh, some places are done, and some places um, there's still some left to go, but um, at this point, those preventive planting uh, acres are pretty much already signed up, uh, as as far as I understand it, and so um, there's, there's acreage out there that won't get planted, um, and so they'll either leave it just in weeds or um, 
put a cover crop down. And I know that, I mean, that that's an opportunity for guys. That's I was just thinking that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so, I don't know. I mean, that to me, that seems like if you have a, a good relationship with the uh, landowner, whether you lease the property or, or you just have a handshake agreement to, to be able to hunt it, I mean, that seems like a conversation, and, and maybe the, the farmer or landowner would, would welcome that to say, hey, since you couldn't get your crop in here, what if I give you, you know, a, a couple hundred bucks here? Would you let me put a food plot in here for this year? And they might welcome that. Well, uh, it's funny that you say that. Uh, one of those guys I was talking to in northern Indiana is actually an outfitter, and that's exactly what he was doing. Is he was going to drive around every single landowner or farmer that had preventive planting acres that was his opportunity as an outfitter to contact that guy and see if they would lease their property. Um, in previous years, that um, landowner might not be interested, but hey, um, that's an outfitter that was taking the opportunity to, hey, uh, can I plant a food plot on that back 10 acres of your 80 because you're just going to have it in cover crop or weeds. And so as a hunter, we need to be doing the same thing. Uh, uh, if you if you want to be uh, chasing the biggest bucks possible every year, we got to adapt. And so if there's there's a weed patch that uh, previously was just in bean, but now it's four foot high weeds, and um, the you knock on the door and the farmer says, hey, yeah, you can plant a, a food plot in the back. Uh, that's not going to hurt anything. Um, those preventing planting acres uh, to me are an opportunity and, and what's the best way for somebody to identify those opportunities you know to, to know who's got the printed preventative planting acres is, is there a resource where you can access that or is it really just kind of door to door um i don't think that there's any kind of list out there but as you're just driving around the countryside uh, in the summer i spend a lot of time um behind a video camera and binoculars just cruising around the neighborhood um looking for velvet bucks and um, if you see an area that's not in corner beans but rather uh, weeds or some kind of cover crop I'm instantly going to be on my OnX app looking at who owns that ground and where he lives and seeing if I can go have a conversation yeah and, and you know and, and that might be just the the ticket to build a, a relationship with with that landowner or farmer to maybe uh, make a long-lasting relationship you might gain access somewhere you can hunt year after year it might be a property that uh, might just be a fence line and not going to be a dynamite spot every year, but um, we got to take advantage of these preventive planting acres and get a, I mean, that might get your foot in the door and um, might get you an early season buck that you might not have an opportunity at otherwise. So much of, of what ends up being dynamite is how much effort you put into it and, and knocking on those doors is definitely that little extra effort. I, I know that can be intimidating, and, and I've, I've gone and done a good bit of it, and I've had some yep. success, and then I've, I've been <laughs> uh, threatened with my life. I mean, I, I had a guy that, that wanted to go get his gun, uh, you know, and, and you think you make a good impression on folks. Apparently I did not on that fella. But, yep. you know, it's, it's an intimidating thing. You can't just uh, – assume that you're going to get the results you want but you got to go up there and i think appearance matters the way you appear when you walk up it, 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 you don't want to slum it up there and, and look like a mess and yeah but you know some some places you you would probably do better if you looked a little bit of mess well, that's you, true you, you, know? you need to dress to your clientele right <laughs> i guess so well yeah i i 
used to do a lot of urban hunting and quit counting how many doors I knocked on when I got to 700 doors. And oh my when gosh. I was, when I was knocking on doors in urban, you would want to look a little differently than if you're walking up on a, a cattle farm. Sure. So you, you gotta, you gotta dress and talk and, uh, act appropriately to the door you're knocking on. Okay. So you, you, you knocked on over 700 doors. You're counting those. Yep. I know you're counting how many, uh, you were successful at. What was your, uh, what was your success rate? I did that for over five years. And when I first started, my success rate was very, very low. I mean, less than one in a hundred, but I kept knocking. And, um, by the time I, I mean, by the time I moved from Indiana, my success rate was surprisingly pretty good. And you just, over time, and uh, you just develop a spiel, and um, just like any salesman, I mean, when you're trying to knock on a door and talk to a, a mom that has her kids playing soccer in the backyard, and you want to go out there with a weapon, you, you got to have a good sales pitch. Yeah, that's, and, that's uh, not going to be good odds, I wouldn't think. Right. So you, uh, you dev- I mean, after rejection after rejection, you, you, you tweak it to the point where um, they're a little more interested in your spiel. Well, so. you know, you're, you're a younger guy, Wes, so do you think the fact of in the beginning you were obviously even younger, you think age has a factor there? I mean, because I think that um, Definitely. In, in the earlier years, you know, I'm, I'm, I just turned 43, and um, – 20 years ago knocking on doors I was getting a whole lot more no's than than today if I knock on doors I feel pretty confident in getting uh some type of access it may not be full-blown hunting access it may be yeah you can just run trail cameras or yeah you can just hunt sheds or something yep. but I usually get I, I, I don't get people like JP does wanting to shoot me you know they don't they don't run <laughs> it me only happened once <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I, yeah I just wonder if that's part of the factor there that you know um it helps to have it a little bit of age was. on you Yep. I mean, and everybody looks and acts a little bit different. So, I mean, somebody that's 40 is not going to have the, the struggles that a guy that's 20 and knocking on doors. But, I mean, as a younger guy, when I was knocking on doors, it, it certainly was to my disadvantage of, of being younger. And so uh, I did my best to look and act uh, a little older and um, tried to be as silver-tongued as possible. And the, the fact that I just uh, – wanted to be sound mature and know what I was doing and that I'd done this before. So, um, it, it definitely, uh, it, it pays to, to, to develop that spiel a little bit. I've, I've got a serious question. Do you think my yeah. odds would go up if I grew a mustache? <laughs> I don't think you can grow a mustache, JP. Not a good one. <laughs> well, I was just sitting here uh, thinking. Probably not. I don't. I was thinking that, uh, you know, if a guy had, you know, if Just For Men sold, like, the gray brush in a little bit, you know, get a little color in your hair, JP, you know. Uh, oh, man, that's and, too and funny. And clean shaving would be better because you, you, you're like me. I mean, we try to grow a beard. We look like a 15-year-old Amish kid after about two months. <laughs> yep. It's not good. Yep. Yep. Well, well, Wes, before we let you go, man, what's, what's coming around the corner for Real World this summer, and uh, what can folks keep an eye on, and, and where can they watch it? Um, well, real world's always posting stuff on our social media. We, uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, all that kind of stuff. And, um, we will be putting new content out there from our our pro staff and from us personally. Um, 
Don Higgins just has a dynamite farm, and I'm sure that we'll be doing some videoing uh, throughout the the uh, summer and into the season of what he's doing to update people on um, his strategies and tactics. So uh, be looking that for that on our our blog, on our website, and on our social media. And, and I'll tell you, Wes, as far as social media goes. You have the post of all posts, in my opinion. You've won social media for 2019 so far with the way that you kicked that football, man. That was something awesome. <laughs> you you got to tell that story real quick for everybody. Well, um, our maximizer line of products, our nutritional products, um, they're, they're not just uh, uh, products that are an attractant. They're, they're high-quality products, and so – um, we have a lot of deer farmers that use those products, and um, Adam Vinatieri, uh, NFL kicker from the Colts, and in my opinion, the best kicker in uh, in the NFL. Probably that's, in the history, fact, in the history, in the history of football. Yeah, that's a fact. Yes. So he's got a, a deer farm out in Missouri, and um, um, he uses our uh, nutritional line of products. So I went out there and. Uh, before I left, I said, "Hey, I gotta, I gotta kick a football uh, before I leave here." And so I delivered those products and uh, was gonna try and kick a, a football, but ended up on my butt in the middle of the gravel, and <laughs> that's uh, ended up on social media. So you, you got to be careful what you film. It it was phenomenal, <laughs> I, and I recommend anybody that that was on Real World's page also, wasn't it, Wes? I think I saw it on yeah. your page, but yeah. you gotta go check out Real World Wildlife Products on Facebook and. Instagram, just check it out on social media, and it's going to have to go back probably, what, was that, that probably two months ago, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah, yeah. you got to check that out. <laughs> the fantastic yep. video. The greatest Charlie Brown impression of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, JP. <laughs> Hang with us through the break, Wes. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. All right, guys, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this one and learned something. I know I sure did, and uh, it helps to hear from somebody that's really in tune, not only with the food plot side, but somebody that, that's in tune with the farming side of things. It gives you the full perspective. You know, it, it really it puts a good, good period on the end of the sentence as to how you can salvage your season or, or maybe even just excel. You never know. You could take lemons and turn them into lemonade with this rain. Yeah, I mean, you know, and Wes's background, like you said, he, he's got an agricultural background, and uh, he knows his stuff, and that was a tremendous idea. I, I don't know uh, why I hadn't even thought about that before, probably because I've been in fishing mode too much here lately, but uh, that's a great idea as far as get out there, knock on some doors. If you know, Give it a couple weeks. You know, If you're seeing some, some farm ground that's not planted, all, these farmers are in bad shape. They're not going to be able to get everything planted. I recommend knocking on some doors and uh, making some new relationships, offering up just a little bit of money to plant a couple acres and – you never know. You might uh, you might stumble into a gold mine and then you know help uh, help the local economy by supporting a farmer a little bit in the process. I'm sure they could uh, use a little bit of extra cash along the way. They're going to be struggling. Times are going to be tough. 100% agree with all of it. Hope you guys have enjoyed this one. Until next time, hook 'em or hunt 'em. Pro Talk Outdoors. Later, guys. 